I would like you to turn in your Bibles, if you've got them there with you, to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to start with the first three verses. And this morning I want to speak to you on hearing the voice of God. You and I worship a living, communicating God who speaks. And so this morning I have made this teaching as simple and as practical as I can because I want you to not only hear it but get it and do it. And so I have three points for you this morning and the first point is this, God speaks. God speaks. Genesis 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving or hovering like a dove over the surface of the waters. Then we come to verse 3. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Creation didn't start with a big bang. Creation started with a voice. Kevin read for us this morning from Psalm 33. And I want to paraphrase for you verses 6 to 9 of that psalm. When God created the heavens and he flung the stars and the planets and the sun and the moon into space... He did it by the breath of his mouth. When God gathered the waters that were on this globe at the very beginning and brought them into storehouses and created oceans and seas, he did it by the word of his mouth. When God caused the dry ground to appear and the mountains rose up and the valleys sank down, he did it by the word of his mouth. The scripture says he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood firm. Everything that God does, he does through the breath and word of his mouth. So God said at the very beginning, let there be light and there was light. Of all the creatures that God made, he only addresses one and that is mankind. So when you come down to verse 27 of Genesis 1, we read this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female created he them. So of all the creatures God made, only one, male and female, bear the imprint and the signature of God. And then we read verse 28. Then he blessed them and he said to them. God speaks to this couple like he speaks to no other creature. And then he lays out the mandate for their lives. He gives to them the purpose and the reason and the plan for which they were created. And then we come down to verse 29, and it says, And God said, 
See, I have given you. So what he's saying is not only do I give you a purpose and a reason and a plan for your creation, but I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to give you the provisions so that you can fulfill the mandate that I have given you to fulfill. You see, the clear indication of God's word is this, that only man has the ability to communicate with God. Beloved, you and I are unique in all of God's creation because you and I have the capacity to live in two dimensions. We can live in the natural dimension which we relate to through our five senses, but we also have the capacity to live in the spiritual realm as well. And so of all the creatures God there's only one that bears his image and likeness and has that ability to communicate with God. And that's what makes us so distinct. The first thing that God made was our spirit because God is a spirit. And I like to just picture this, if you'll allow me a little bit of license. For six days, God's been creating this wonderful universe that we see. And all the amazing creatures and plants, everything he's been making. And then the father comes to the son and they look over the creation and he said, I want to make a creature now. That's a physical expression of what we are in the spirit realm. And I want that creature to be so like us that whenever any other creature that I've made beholds him, they will recognize that that creature is my representative on the earth. And so the Lord Jesus stoops down and he picks up some damp dirt. And the Hebrew word that's used there was he starts to squeeze it. And as he squeezes it, it becomes the perfect mold of a man. And finally there, right before the Lord, is this perfect clay replica of a human being. And then he steps forward and he puts his lips to the lips of that clay mould and he goes, and God breathes into that creature, into that mould, the breath of life and it becomes a living being. And when consciousness first enters Adam and he opens his eyes. He looks into the eyes of his creator. And the first thing he hears is this, Adam, you are very, very good. What God's indicating is of all the creatures I've made, you're the one that I can communicate with. You're the one that's going to be able to communicate with me. When Paul was writing to the Roman church, he said this, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. You see, you and I have within us a spirit and that spirit communicates and receives communication from God and that's what makes us so unique. You see, no other creature has the privilege of hearing those words. You 
are my daughter, you are my son, you are mine. That's a wonderful privilege. So we humans, we have access to God and we can receive communication from God. The fact that God speaks is recorded in the Bible. The Bible is a book of dialogues between God and man and man and God. And I want to just give some examples. first one comes out of Genesis chapter 12. 3,638 years ago, a 75-year-old Iraqi man had got up early one morning and he was watching the sun rise over the Euphrates River and suddenly God turned up. And God said, Abram, I want you to get out of your country. I want you to leave your father's household. I want you to leave everything you're familiar with, everything that is of security to you, and I want you to follow me because I'm going to lead you to a land that you don't even know exists. And that land I'm going to give to you and to your descendants after you forever. And because you will be obedient to me, I will cause all the families of the world to be blessed through you. And those that bless you, I will bless. And those that curse you, I will curse. And so Abraham arises at the word of the Lord. Look at verse 4 of Genesis 12. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him. So clear was that word that a 75-year-old man gets up and moves from everything that he's familiar with to go to a land where he doesn't even know where it is. And God leads him south-southwest to the little land that we now know as the land of Israel. The thing is this, that there's no indication that Abraham had ever heard the voice of God before. Yet when God did speak, Abraham knew it was God's voice. I had an experience some years back where I was kind of getting rid of stuff. When you get older, you know, you can accumulate stuff. And I, was, I had big boxes of the old tapes, you know, the cassette tapes. And as you know, cassette tapes are out of, they've gone, kaput. And so I was throwing out cassette tapes. And as I was throwing them out, I was selecting one or two. I picked up a tape that had no writing on it. But obviously I must have listened to it at some stage because it was partly run through. So I put it aside and it happened to be that I was going, to a, going for a journey down country and in those days I had a car that had a cassette recorder in it. So I slipped the tape in as I was driving. The moment I heard the very first word that was uttered on that tape, I knew who the speaker was. It was my father speaking at a conference in Waikanae. And I hadn't heard his voice 
for 35 years. And as he spoke, I remember saying out loud, that's the voice of my dad. You see, there's something about a voice that identifies the speaker, that when we're familiar with the speaker, we know the sound of the voice. And beloved, there's something about God's voice that every human being can detect and respond to. You see, God has put a receiver human spirit of every man and woman so that when he does we have the opportunity to respond Paul writes to the Roman church and he says this that which is known about God is evident within them for God has made evident to them no human being has any excuse Whatever, God speaks to all. You know what it's like when a phone rings and you pick it up. I had a cousin ring me last night and the moment she spoke, I knew who it was and she said to me, do you know who's speaking? And I said, yes, Melinda, I know your voice. And it's the same with God. When he speaks, we know his voice. I want to give you some illustrations. The first is from the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 1. And we all know the story of Jonah. And in verse 1 it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And God then unfolds a plan for Jonah. And he says, I want you to go to that Canaanite city of Nineveh. And I want you to declare the word of the Lord to that city because their wickedness has come up before me. Beloved, God is not blind to the wickedness of this world. And there comes a time when God says, I'm going to intervene and I'm going to act. And God was looking for a partner, someone who would cooperate with him in his purposes on the earth and he picked Jonah. The tragedy is, as we all know, verse 3 tells us something. It's probably one of the saddest phrases you can get in the Bible because you see when God speaks or when anyone speaks, we're often in their presence, aren't we? We're in close proximity to them. And God was in close proximity to Jonah. But the Bible tells us that Jonah disobeyed the word of the Lord and he, he went from the presence of the Lord. Nothing could be more sad. It doesn't pay to disobey God because we all know what happened to Jonah. He became fish vomit on a Mediterranean beach. True, don't disobey. There was another man by the name of Isaiah who had the exact opposite response. And in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, Isaiah said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? 
Then I said, here am I, send me. That's the kind of response that God wants from his people. In Revelation chapter 1, we have a dear old saint of God. He's over 90 years old. He's been exiled to a prison island. And one morning he's walking on the beach. The Bible tells us he was in the spirit. The other way of saying that was the presence of God came. And it says that he said, I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. And he stopped and he listened. And the Holy Spirit unveiled the Lord Jesus like nothing else. Nothing that John had ever witnessed in his physical relationship with Jesus was like the revelation he got that wonderful morning. And so God speaks. That's my first point. My second point is very, very practical. Make an appointment to hear him. Make an appointment to hear him. Set a time, set a place every day where you can hear God speak to you. If you don't, you will miss it. Mark, Mark chapter 1 gives us a beautiful little insight into the daily habit of the Lord Jesus. Look what it says. In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a secluded place and was praying there. Jesus is our pattern man. You know what a pattern is? He's the one that we're to copy. He's our example. He's the one we are to follow. And here we read that Jesus set a time and he set a place every day where he and the Father would share together. And I believe it's probably in those times that the Father would unveil for the Lord Jesus his program for that day. And he would say, Son, today, as you leave Jericho, I want you to be listening because there's a huge crowd going to be with you, but there's going to be a blind man calling for you, and I want you to heal him. Or maybe he's saying, I want you to go up onto the hillside, and I want you to sit down, 5, 10, 15,000 people, and I want you to share my word with them. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. So Jesus was given the program for the day. The psalmist said, I do this as well. In Psalm 119, he said, I rise before dawn. I cry for help. I wait for your words. Now I know we're not all early morning risers. And what I've learned about our God He's not a legalist, and he hates religiosity. Our God understands us. He knows our makeup. He knows our frame. He knows our strengths. He knows our weaknesses. 
So my word is this. Choose a time and choose a place that best suits you. He'll always be there waiting for you. Proverbs says this. Blessed is the man who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. You see, beloved, if we fail to make an appointment, we could miss the blessing. Jesus said this, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. This is the blessing that's at stake. Hearing from God, my sheep hear my voice. A relationship with God, and I know them. And a guide for your life, where he says, they follow me. You see, hearing God's voice leads to intimacy with God, and it leads also to a guaranteed guide for your life. Psalm 95, 6 says this, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice. You might say, well, okay, I'm going to set a time and a place to meet the Lord. What do I do? Beloved, there's no pattern. You might sit there silently for a while. The scripture says, be still and just know that I'm God. Or you might decide to do what the psalmist said, come, let us worship. So you might want to start to worship before the Lord. And beloved, worship is always away from us. It's never about us. Worship is always towards the object of our affection. And so notice one of the meanings of worship there. Let us bow down. Let us kneel. One of the basic meanings of worship is prostrate oneself before. Another meaning is to blow a kiss towards. It's always away from us. And when we start to truly worship the Lord, he comes and he inhabits our praises because then we begin to realize it's the Lord who is our maker. And when we move on from that, he is our God. And then we move on from that and we are his people. And when we get to that place, he says, today, you can hear my voice. Isaiah 50, 55 verse 3 says, Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. Beloved, we have to make the effort. We have to incline our ear. We have to listen for his voice. Isaiah 50, Isaiah the prophet gives us a beautiful keyhole glimpse into how the father and the son related. 
And Isaiah says this in verse 4 of chapter 15. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Can you see a beautiful prayer for all of us there? We come and we could say to him, Lord, awaken or open my ear to hear you speak. There's a prayer. And it was in those early morning encounters that the Father gives to the Son the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding of heaven. And we're told what the result is in John 7:15. It says, The Jews were astonished, saying, How has this man become learned, having never been educated? I think God's got a wonderful sense of humor. Can you imagine Jesus is standing and these Jewish intellectuals have all got their degrees and they've got their doctorates and they know everything about the law and they're saying to Jesus, how come you, never been educated, can say such words, little did they know that they're addressing the very one who by his own finger had written the law that they had been studying. You see, there's a learning, beloved. There's a knowledge, there's a wisdom, there's an understanding, regardless of your education, that if you'll go to heaven, God can impart to you. So Jesus was given the knowledge and the wisdom of heaven. And I have been married for 49 years. Am I right, darling? Next March is our 50th wedding anniversary. And from the very first day of our marriage, we have set apart time every day where the two of us wait on God together. It's been a pattern of our married life. It's brought a richness and a depth and a blessing to both of us that is incredible. And we've always done it together. A time when we listen for God to speak to us and we'll read his word. Then we pray what he's saying to us in his word into our lives, not to get head knowledge, but to hear what saith the Lord to you, Ian and Sally. What areas of your life need to be adjusted a little bit and so on. So that's been our practice. I also do it alone. I love our botanical gardens. And I go for a walk up in the botanical gardens and there I have got two seats. I've got a witnessing seat where I deliberately sit by a path that's used often and you would be amazed at how many people I've been able to engage by sitting in that seat. Then I have another seat and it's on a little hidden track and I've been going there for 15 years and probably when I've been sitting on that seat, less than 10 people in 15 years have walked past it. And that's my intercession seat. That's where I pour out all my longings, my hopes, my desires, 
my fears, my joys, my weaknesses, my strength. I pour it all out on that seat and I let God look into the depths of my heart. So we make an appointment. First two points, God speaks. Second, appointment, second is make an appointment. And my third and final point is this. We can hear it. If God speaks, we can hear it. There are dozens of examples in Scripture of God speaking. And in every case, those who heard it knew it. Adam, Abraham, Elijah, Isaiah, Mary, John, and you could just go on. They all heard the voice of the Lord and they knew it. Paul says this, For what I received from the Lord, I declare to you. Paul's writings were not the writings of just a brilliant intellect. They were writings of a man who were inspired by the very breath of God himself. My point is this. If they could hear it, so can we. They also are flesh, bones and blood, exactly the same as you and I. John chapter 10 and verse 4 says this, When he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. There's a question and there's a warning here. The question is, do you know his voice? The warning is, can you discern between his voice and the voice of a stranger? John in his second epistle writes, whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine or this teaching, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. Now, beloved, I don't know where we are in God's prophetic timepiece. But what I do know is you and I are living in an amazing day. And we are seeing signs and things happening that Jesus said could indicate the beginning of the end. But one thing I do know is this, that the nearer we come to the coming of the Lord, there is going to be one thing that will mark the end of the age, and that is deception. Jesus warned again and again, and the apostles warned again and again, deception will mark the end of the age. So be warned. Be careful who you listen to. Firstly, there are two types of words that we can hear from God. There is God's revealed word, and it's all in the Bible. When God speaks to an issue, whether it be righteousness, how families should live, 
how the church should function. Our job is to listen to that and obey it. Then there's God's specific word for our personal circumstances. Who do I marry? What kind of education should I have? Where should I live? What vocation should I pursue? These are personal things and we need to get a word from God. I want to finish with an illustration out of my own life that happened in only the last few months so that you know that God still speaks. As I said, I often go up to the botanical gardens and I go for three reasons. One, I'm 76 and this body needs to keep working. And I always walk anti-clockwise because that puts me up a little bit of a steep hill. Any of you know the botanics? There's a little steep. And I walk up that steep hill and once I start, I'm not allowed to stop because the germ might get me, you see. <laughs> so I won't give them the opportunity. I'm going to walk to the top without stopping. And the whole point is this, to get the heart and the lungs and the muscles pounding away, you see. Now, I don't pick any particular time of the day when I'm going to go. I just choose a time when it suits me. And a few months back, I said to Sally about lunchtime, I feel I should go up to the gardens and I'll skip lunch and I'll just do my walk. And I go up there to do my walk I go up there because I absolutely love the environment. Our native bush is my happy place. That's my healing place. Sally's is the Mount Beach. We all have a healing place, you see, and you go to find your healing place. But the third thing I go is to walk with the Lord. And when I get out of my car and I start to walk that 100 metres to the bottom of the hill, I say to the Lord, come and walk with me and teach me today. And I ask him to explain scriptures that I might be struggling with or issues I might be struggling with. And I talk with him very naturally. One minute I'll be talking to the Lord and the next minute I'll see a beautiful beech tree and I think, what a fantastic tree. Or I hear a tui fly across. I think, what a beautiful bird. So I, I jump in and out between the two. It's being natural. We just do it. Any case, this day, I was walking to the bottom of the hill and I ended up with terrific pain in both my knees. And the pain was so severe that I stopped at the bottom of the hill and I thought, I'm not going to be able to walk around today. I don't know what this is. And as I was standing there, I turned and there was a new path that had been put in by the gardeners up there and it was a flat one. It ran along a fence line and as I looked, I could see there was a whole lot of new native tree plantings and I thought, what I'll do is I'll walk along that path and then I'll go back to the car home because my knees are so sore. So I started to walk along and I'd only gone 30 metres and I noticed a movement on my right and here was a man standing off the track in the bush with one of those pit bull dogs. And I thought, what's he doing there? You'd have had to push through a whole lot of scrub. And what I did notice was he was highly tattooed 
all down the side of his face and neck and arms and he had a singlet on and he was highly tattooed. In any case, I just ignored him and I walked a little bit further and I was going to go down this valley and suddenly I heard the voice of the Lord. Now when I say I heard it, it wasn't an audible voice. It was a very, very strong impression in my mind. God said, I'll write my laws in your hearts and your mind. This is what I heard. Ian, stop and turn back. It was so clear that that's exactly what I did because I've learned to obey these impressions. So I turned and I walked back. And as I walked back, this man with his dog stepped out in front of me. And he had his back to me and he had a cell phone and he was taking a picture of a little native tree that had been planted. So I thought, I'll engage him in a conversation. And I started with, I see you're interested in native trees. And from there, our conversation began to blossom. About 10 minutes into our conversation, he said to me, I want to thank you for not judging me. If you had seen the tattoos, some of them were quite demonic. And it was then that I felt the prompting of the Lord, this is the time to be bold. I won't name him because I think this is being recorded and I don't know if he'd hear it and I don't want to embarrass anyone. But I said to him, God looks on the heart, not on the outside. And that just opened this man right up. He would be in his late 30s. And he said, I got these tattoos when I was 17. And he said, I've regretted it all my life. They've cost me jobs, relationships, all kinds of things. 20 minutes later, beloved, I'd led that man to the Lord. Just because I learned to hear the voice of God and to obey it. And beloved, when you obey the voice of the Lord, you're always in his will and you're in his presence. I want to finish with a little challenge to you. Jesus said this, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. My question is this, do you know the shepherd? Have you ever entered into a relationship with Jesus? Can you say with the psalmist, the Lord is my shepherd, he leads me? Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Have you ever received the life of Jesus into your life?